0: Through these workshops, we're providing a a series of quote-unquote simple tasks, you know, the actual task itself, you know, a a fifth grader could do. And we remove expertise, so there isn't any sort of expertise authority that, that could potentially get in the way. And then we also make the guideline of any decisions have to be unanimous, and what that does is it puts a lens or a focus immediately on that gap. of it, it highlights, so speaking of self-awareness, right, it really highlights where things will fall apart and where the team can really thrive together.
1: Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well thank you again for being a listener and hanging out with us today. Now, today's show is a little different because I have two guests, and Amit and Valeria work in the same company and they really focus on the area of creating high-performance individuals in teams. And you might be fascinated by what they have discovered with all the work that they've done, including doing this work in over 80 countries. You might appreciate their response to the question around, are there different cultures and are there different people and are there different needs? And what exactly is the strategies or are the strategies to go to the next level? Now, one of the things that does come up, which is, Pretty standard on just about every show that we talk about was the importance of self-awareness. In that vein, CRG, of course, we have all our tools and assessments, and we have 10 core assessments that, you know, the personal style indicator, the number one personality tool as judged by participants compared to anyone other one that's out there is that we do have our new course, Why Aren't You More Like Me?, which is based on the personal style indicator to help you understand the nature of who you are, the nature of others. Very powerful process, over five hours of video, but it's broken up into 15 different modules for you, so that you can understand who you are in depth and the power of this information. When we know, the research shows, that only 2% of the population can realize their full potential without this knowledge. That's actually staggering, that only 2% of the people listening would actually realize their potential unless they know what their personal style is and what that means for them. As always, we thank you for being a Secrets of Success listener. And as a result of that, can you, if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, uh, leave a positive comment or review in whatever platform you're listening on. It's interesting, even shows that have thousands and thousands of downloads have very few reviews. And reviews really help us to get the word out and for other people to find us. So if you could do that, that's much appreciated. So here's our show today with Amit and Valerio. Enjoy. Welcome to the Secrets of Success Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we have double the trouble or double the possibilities today because I have two guests on, partners who are in a business that really want to help individuals, teams, leaders to create high performance. Now, because of my dyslexia, I said, you know, your last names really are messing with me. So I've got Amit Riker's name correct. But, Valeria, how do you say your last name correctly? Pascotto. Pascotto. So I've got that now. So welcome, gentlemen, to the
0: show. Thank thank you you for having us.
1: Well, when we think about uh, Secrets of Success, a lot of times we want to have a little bit of the person's background. And since we have two guests, we'll just make this short and sweet and to the point before you got into this merger working together in an organization to serve and support others in high performance. But before we get into that, Amit, I'll start with you. Where were you born, and in what was sort of your your background and in, in in your history getting on this journey?
0: Certainly. So, thanks so much for having us on the show. I was born in. I, whenever people ask me that, I when they ask where are you from, I say all over, and that's because I was born in India, but I grew up outside uh, my whole life. I, I grew up in Australia, England in the U.S. and even in the U.S. I hopped around Huntsville, Alabama, Salt Lake City, Utah, Rochester, Minnesota, and then Bay Area, California. And so got a a very worldly perspective and uh, really saw sort of my own growth and development within it and my own challenges. And so the roots of my coaching background actually start with martial arts uh, in 94 and um, that's when I actually got introduced uh, around that time as well to the, the book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And it was a huge influence, not only in my martial arts world, but for me personally, professionally. And it really shaped sort of, you know, the years since then and how I approached coaching and teaching and mentoring. And so that's really the, the roots of it. And being a self-development nerd, Stephen Covey and Dale Carnegie and all the likes. That's kind of how it's continued to evolve uh, organically for me. Thanks, Edmund. Now, one question, what did your family do that caused them to be nomads? Uh, so my dad got his PhD in physics when in Australia, and then he just had uh, postdoctoral work and, and new opportunities in new places.
1: So there you go. So you got to travel, you got a sense, and that obviously shaped you. So, uh, Valerio, thank you. Valeria, what what's
2: sort of your story? Uh, my story really starts with uh, an abysmal lack of uh, understanding how other people are impacted and the dynamics of uh, being with other people. So that uh, generated a interest in how how, how do I learn this? and um it started with uh, the sixties i was in my teenage years and uh, traveling was an obvious result of that period and starting to understand uh, and wanting to be uh, closer to how, how do people interact and ultimately how do they enjoy and appreciate life and that pretty much uh, from early teens to now has uh, governed my search, my learning, and my work.
1: Mm. Now, where uh, where were you born? What was in
2: Rome, Europe? Italy? In
1: Rome, in Rome Italy. Italy. Yes. Oh man, there's no heritage or history there.
2: None whatsoever. <laughs> and then, as soon as I could, though, I set sails. Uh, at the age of uh, 19, I convinced my father to put me on a cruise ship as a as a crew member. And uh, I sailed to South America, to North America, to the Mediterranean and that was my getaway from from Rome, Italy.
1: What was the reason that you wanted to kind of take off? What was driving that?
2: Space to understand and break the mold. In those days, uh, what, what was expected is pretty much to follow in the footsteps. Of my father and my brother, so that would meant law school. and I miserably failed within six months, moved from law school to social science to Indian religion and philosophy in the space of less than a year. So it, it was seeking to uh, create some space between my mm. childhood environment and uh, my questions and search.
1: So both of you have this sort of, I don't, it's not transient, it's just the word I'm thinking about, but you have this travel as part of your heritage that you bring uh, to bear as you interact with others. So obviously there is a connection between the two of you that way as well.
0: Indeed. 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 I think a big, maybe a big part into just our our worldviews while, um, there's there's much more that I very much look up to to Valerio and and just th- his experience, and yet I think definitely uh, values aligned with maybe certain ways that we see the world.
1: Mm.
2: Now, Valerie, how did you end up in the in the U.S. What, uh, work the- mostly work? I, I was involved in a company in Italy that had headquarters in America, and they asked me over and then uh, I took off from there. What was the work?
1: What was the company?
2: Uh, The company was called Elan Vital, and the work was uh, uh, really in uh, looking at uh, what uh, uh, one could do to create a better world. So already very early in my life, I I was invested in uh, work being an opportunity and a force for good. Cool, cool. Well, I know that
1: prior to getting on the air, we know that this book, The Inner Game of Tennis, and, of course, we shared off-air that uh, I'm enjoying tennis more and more as a spectator. So I'm into it now. And, of course, now being a Canadian, when we have a girl who won the U.S. Open. Hmm. Um, So I have sort of a bias there. So The Inner (laughs) Game of Tennis, Valeria, was something that you were involved with the author, Tim. So let's just kind of start from there, And, of course, we'll bring you back in because this is where you were connected as well, as far as noticing that book when you were doing martial arts. But, Valerio, what was the connection there with you and Tim, and how did that unfold?
2: A friendship. It started with friendship. Really, it had nothing to do with his book. I think uh, he might have been writing the book when we started our friendship, not published yet. So you just just met on the street or you met through business? We just met because we had a uh, connection with uh, the company that I was working with and uh, we also were neighbors. He he lived in Malibu and I was living in Malibu at that time. So that's how we connected. Shortly after that, uh, we were in a very similar field of uh, um, coaching and uh, addressing uh, business and business uh, effectiveness, leadership effectiveness. And we had uh, uh, an opportunity to come together and design a workshop that would address um, team building. And we designed that workshop on the principles that uh, uh, teaching does not usher learning, but experiments and simulations absolutely do usher learning. So we created a simulator it would allow people to look in the mirror and see what helps be a team member, an effective team member, and what comes in the way. And that was our collaboration. We then created a company, IGEOS, which was basically the connection between Inner Game and my company that was Effective Organizational Systems. So we named it IGEOS. And then, by the way, just we're for listeners, that
1: is. Sorry, this for listeners. That is spelled I G E, O S yes. dot net, right? Yes. Yeah. That so is uh, <laughs> not everybody would be able to convert that. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. So you're starting to develop these um, this information as far as experiential simulations continue.
2: Yes, and uh, and then we created a workshop that uh, uh, we delivered. all all around the world, I would say um, over 80 countries and probably over 2,500 participants. So it was a real opportunity to look at uh, whether there were cultural differences or whether there was a human foundation to teams that uh, um, surpassed uh, even culture and style. Okay, so now, so Valerio, yes. we're going to have
1: Amit come in here in a second. So I want you to hold that thought because I'm going to ask you a question about what were the cultural differences of any. But, any. but I want to back up one second, Amit, and bring you in and said, what did you learn from the inner game of tennis that maybe is spilling over into this course that Valerio put
0: together with Tim? Oh, wow. Ah, where to begin? So I had the I had the honor and privilege also going through the workshop when I first met Tim and Valerio uh, in person. One of the things I would say is the the classic thing in in this space in this space in this field which uh, I'm certain you, you very much deal with with your work is how easy it is for us to get in our own way and the interferences and the particularly the self interferences that come up and so for me in terms of my own personal sort of uh, initial experiences it um, through the medium so whether it be tennis or for me the medium of martial arts and competing for example it was recognizing that Um, the the end result of a tournament or match didn't define who I am as a person and that there's actually a, a very beautiful opportunity for learning to happen no matter what the result is, whether I win a match or lose a match. And so where the focus truly hones in on learning and that that you can enjoy the learning process even if you, quote, unquote, fail. I think that was the ultimate richness or the one of the raw core lessons Mm. from the inner game that I took away. And, you know, I I ebb and flow and it continues to be a life journey of, you know, when I am connected to that lessons um, in, in whatever journey of my life relationships, my own business growth, professional mm-hmm. development, the more I'm able to connect to that learning lens, the more I'm able to sort of grow in that field or that area while also enjoying the process and, and getting better at it. So that's kind of a very like big picture where inner game of tennis and then it being introduced to this work with Tim and Valerio and now being mm-hmm. a part of it. And very much seeing those dynamics come into play in teams that, you know, it's very easy to get in our own way how we partake in a team setting or how we engage with each other in a team setting that the interference can really break or make how well a team does and adding the lens of very much a learning mindset and, you know, even the work of Carol Dweck a very much a growth mindset how it can really change the experience mm-hmm. for oneself and for the team. Well just a sidebar
1: the growth mindset stuff is my wife used as a university academic coach. And when we think about the work that Dr. Tasha Urich's done around self-awareness, that's really you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Most people are really not even conscious. People talk about mindfulness, emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, whatever verbs you want to use to describe this. But a lot of times we don't even know that we get in the way of those different items, so thank you for that, Amit. Now, I want to sneak back, Valerio, to you're traveling around the world, you're doing this experiential uh, program, and that's pretty cool to be able to be in almost 80 countries. Uh, I'm not envious, but I am uh, certainly appreciative of just how much effort that takes, is what did you learn culturally about people being all these different locations with the same content? What did you discover?
2: Well, uh, almost the opposite, that indeed uh, we all share human traits that are much more similar than dissimilar, that there is one planet and one people. And the way that that came up in the workshops uh, was very simple. Um, In order to be a successful team member, Uh, I needed to move from an individual mindset to a team mindset. And the individual mindset uh, we could demonstrate within five minutes of being with a a group of participants from uh, any country, uh, any culture. In less than five minutes, you could see how that individual mindset manifested and the challenge of moving to a team mindset so the difference there being what's in it for me i am doing the task i am the one that is going to succeed and benefit from the task to a team mindset that uh, says uh, what can i do to make a difference to add value and the privilege and honor of being able to work with this group of people Cool.
1: So now let's move into, and by the way, thanks, gentlemen, and to being clear about all this stuff. You're now working with, you know, leadership and team performance. So before we get into your solution, let's just talk about what do you see is really the main issues or hindrances in the world now around this idea of get, creating a high performance team or high performance leaders. So Emmett, why don't you start?
0: So, what I see is the the crux or the the core issue around that. Sure. Well, um, kind of like to what Valeria was mentioning that uh, really in the the movement of of the way the world is expanding, you know, the 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 lines between you know countries, teams, global teams, global companies uh, the lines are really just opening up and so it really is going to be critical for us not only for evolution of business evolution of uh, ourselves as a leader ourselves as fellow team members but if we dare say for the evolution and you know survival of our planet just with all the considerations environmental impact uh, political impacts if we can simplify to this concept of an individual versus a team mindset can really make or break the sort of long-term longevity, the success, the growth. If, if I, you know, it, it, it's the older industrial revolution mindset of sort of command and control, uh, overly authoritative, if we continue to sort of operate from that place we're starting we're already seeing the impacts the negative impacts you know stress levels at at an all-time high you know um we often talk about valeria often mentions you know oh my god it's monday and and thank goodness it's friday syndrome where people are just really disconnected and if we are only operating from a place of what's in it for me how can i maximize my profits um how can i uh, adhere only to um you know the shareholders then we're starting to see sort of the 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 negative impacts and sort of impacts Mm -hmm. on our health mental health emotional health impact on society etc so if we could oversimplify it could be as you know quote unquote as simple as this, this mindset, the shift of, okay, I'm part of a bigger picture. So whether that's within your circle, within your team, within your company, how can I be helping my fellow colleague so that our experiences collectively is much better? And then, you know, we're creating better products, better, better experiences, better results as a result of it. And then if we expand that to a macro level, I think it's the same sort of dynamic of how we approach interacting with, you know, other countries, other, other governments, whatever the case might be in in a collective problem-solving versus, well, this is my line, I'm going to worry about my problems, and tough luck, you worry about your problems. Okay. Well, thank you for that.
2: Valeria. what would you like to add to that question? Labels. I have experienced the power and deception created by labels. Uh, We see that uh, in our simulator in a uh, significant and even scary way. We assign labels. We say to uh, some participants, you are the strategy group. Or we say to a participant, you are the leader of the team. And suddenly, that person acts according to that label not according to the circumstance context and reality of the situation so in reality we have given the title of leader to somebody that absolutely shouldn't lead should just listen and uh, that's the uh, information that they have but having the title of leader they manipulate that information to be able to fit into their definition of leader. Same thing with the strategy group. They have absolutely no capacity to strategize with the information that we give them, but they try and try for sometimes uh, over an hour to uh, be the strategy group and not to actually go and seek help from others to see if there is further information and further opportunities to pass that responsibility to others so it's a fascinating experience to see that we do have definitions around these labels and they absolutely are not awakening our self awareness they go rote they go habitual and they have a tremendous impact you know just
1: interesting valerio and thanks amit for your comments too just the thought that a label a title a position whatever word you want to use influences my behavior immediately and i suspect valerio if i say leader to seven different people
2: it might mean seven different things is that correct yes however the sense of uh, responsibility to be at the forefront and uh, making decisions setting the tone the course uh, responsible for the outcome uh, i think it's it's more shared than not, it certainly was uh, uh, absolutely the reality 40 years ago. Uh, thank God today we do have uh, a willingness to explore Lead leader as a servant. Uh, we have the willingness to explore as human leader that uh, is entrusted with caring of the team members. But even when I say that, you notice know, uh, a slight... Uh, uh, parent-child communication, which is the the quintessence of the habit of looking at leaders, that they somehow hold more responsibility than other team members or other members in, in, in their group. And that is the challenge, because if you... Uh, were a witness to these workshops, you would realize within two, three minutes that they should be screaming bloody murder, not try to figure out how to maintain that leadership with the information that they have. It's uh, they don't have anything, but they somehow caucus as the leader, as the C-suite, feeling responsible for setting the direction of the company.
1: Mm. Interesting how uh, labels uh, drive that. And I've done experiential games and that with individuals. And it is fascinating to see how people really show up uh, in those dynamics. Now, just so you know, some of our colleagues that we're friends with, Jim Kuzas, you know, the Leadership Challenge, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, you know, what got you here, won't get you there. So there's more and more work around this area of where leadership is really pulling out from other people. That now being said, what are you teaching people in your workshops, your processes, your systems, or just generically to individuals? And Abbott, we'll start with you is, okay, now I want to kind of get past this old model and some people have and other people just are stuck. What are you teaching me or what are you doing and working with me and my team and my leaders or whatever to go into this, New way. What do you? What's the process,
0: and what what am I learning? Well, I would frame it very much from the the learning aspect of through these workshops. We, we're providing a, a series of quote unquote simple tasks. You know, the actual task itself. You know, a, a fifth grader could do, and we remove. Expertise, so there isn't any sort of expertise authority that, that could potentially get in the way. And then we also make the guideline of any decisions have to be unanimous. And what that does is it puts a lens or a focus immediately on that gap. of It, it highlights, so speaking of self-awareness, right, it really highlights where things will fall apart and where the team can really thrive together. And so what we do in the design of the workshops, and and this is where Tim and Valeria have done a a masterful job of the exercises that we create, is basically creating that environment so that you are learning for yourself. Now, we may be, you know, as we go through the workshop, provide some tools to help you increase that awareness or consider ways to experiment within that of other ways that that could be beneficial but the one of the key parts is really helping you to get a clarity of that awareness that peace Wow, I have that habit and I keep doing this. And every time I do it, I do it with good intentions, but it turns out it actually ends up derailing the goal of what we're trying to accomplish as a team. And so that's really a starting point of what we're trying to do is really gain a really high sense of clarity Um, that awareness of what are those self-interferences and a big part once again that individual versus team mindset what are the behaviors I'm doing that are not uh, embracing a team mindset and so it really gives a very customized understanding for each person I may behave differently than the person next to me but I start to understand what are the important variables, the critical variables for me to pay attention to in order to show up as the best on a team versus the person next to me. And so it's really giving a visceral experience for me to get clear on and, and gain awareness of what, what are the things getting in my way, and then how can I, um, how can I experiment with another way of doing it that could be mm-hmm. beneficial for everyone. Very good. Thanks, Emmett. You know, uh,
1: you know, our experience is is my 30th year in this industry. So Valerio, we've sort of been in this business for a while and Emmett yourself as well. When we think about people doing things, a lot of times they do it because that's all they know. Valerio, what are you teaching individuals to do differently? In other words, I'm now in your program. I'm listening to this podcast. What do you want me to do, Valerio? to be able to create these high performance environments, whatever context, maybe it's volunteering, uh, maybe it's myself on a sports team, maybe it's in a business setting. What is it that you're teaching me? What What are the specific skills, approaches, strategies, concepts that you want me to consider to be able to have this high performance environment?
2: Find a mirror and that's what we created Because when you have a mirror, it would be odd to say, uh, Valerio, what did the mirror teach you? Uh, It wouldn't be odd to say, Valerio, what did you notice when you looked in the mirror?
1: And so what is the, what are you causing the people? So in in other words, take us into the experience that these people have. When they look in the mirror, what are some of the things that they are seeing or discovering?
2: The the task uh, provides the opportunity to look in the mirror. So let me give you an example. Besides uh, um, authority based on expertise that we eliminate by, as Amit said, uh, giving tasks that an eight-year-old, nine-year-old could fulfill, we also eliminate positional authority by asking for unanimity. In other words, everybody in the workshop has to take the ownership of uh, what has been proposed. And the moment that you ask for that unanimity, strange things start happening. And I'll give you an example. We might ask, how long would you like the break? And somebody proposes 15 minutes. And then there's a conversation that might last 45 minutes between the proponents of a 15-minute break and the proponents of a 20-minute break. Then my question is, what happened? What is the mirror telling me that I spent 45 minutes discussing a five minute differential.
1: And what is the teaching or the learning out of that that typically comes out?
2: Uh, Well, uh, most of the time it's a surprise, but a recognition that we oftentimes advocate our point rather than listening and be interested in the other person's point. Mm. We are troubled by being able to discern what is lethal, that would require objections to what is preferable that doesn't require the objection. So where do you think this
1: tenacity, to my point of view, comes into play, Emmett? Do you want to respond to that? And I get it. I, I love the example of argue, <laughs> arguing for 45 minutes over five minutes and how some people say, man, the, the environment here is so petty. Where does this tenacity to my position come from? And
2: by the way, Ken, fantastic explanations for the point of the five minutes versus uh, difference. It, it's incredible intelligence is placed into that discussion. It's not done at all, it's just uh, unfruitful. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it,
1: well, it's interesting. We've all been there where that's occurred or happened, right? Uh, in some environment at some point, from volunteerism to being in a a work environment where somebody is just so tenacious.
2: And the antidote that most of the time participants ask for is leadership. And that is not the antidote to chaos. The antidote to chaos is awareness, not leadership. And yet, that's the first thing that they say, ah, if we had had a leader, we wouldn't have had this conversation they would have decided for us if it's a 15- or 20-minute break. So it's fascinating when you follow the patterns that we have created in terms of the dynamics of working together.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Valeria. So add to that, Amit.
0: Yeah, so I'll speak from from my a mix of my personal experience and perspective as well as what I've observed and noticed. So tying in an example back to my martial art competition days, in some of the core principles from the inner game in a game of tennis is I identify my failure or success as a person to the outcome of the match. So if I win the match, I'm a winner. If I lose the match, I'm a loser. As opposed to if I win or lose the match, it gives me beautiful insight as to how to improve as a martial artist or as a player. So similarly, I remember when when I was a participant in this workshop with Tim and Valerio and I saw my own interferences come in the way and one of the, one of the lessons was on a team do I find myself if somebody else proposes a great idea do I get excited that oh wonderful there's a great idea that's going to contribute to the team, or do I get annoyed that I didn't think of that idea first? And so it's the difference between if you win, then I also win, as opposed to if you win, then I lose, because you came up with a great idea, and therefore I didn't, and I need to show my worth and prove my value, and therefore this is where I think, That We can tip into the side of unhealthy competition within organizations of, you know, certain incentivized where we're competing against each other because I need to prove my worth as opposed to seeing it as, oh, you know, my colleague proposed this idea. Mm -hmm. It's good enough. It's a great idea. I love it because I know if they win, I win and we win. Mm. It's interesting, Amit,
1: because... It's one of the comments one of my colleagues talks about too, and that's Dr. Marshall Goldsmith's work Mm -hmm. too, where I I have to win right Mm -hmm. for this. He tells the story. I come home, just for example' sake's, is that his wife is at home. And comes home and she's out of a really tough day, and she and he says, "Oh, you really had a tough day. You should have seen my day." <laughs> right, and right. So uh, I'm just I'm just trying to prove to you that yeah, your your day sucked, but mine was even worse. Like, even in that situation, he uses it as an example where I have to win the argument that my day was poorer than yours. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're framing that out, and that's awesome, Valeria. What would you, you know, beyond looking in the mirror? What else can you share with us that would be breakthrough for the individuals listening here that contribute to, you know, your work that would be helpful to the listeners that they can just embrace, like, straight away?
2: Be a learner rather than a teacher. I, some years ago, had a friend who was a wonderful high school, and undergraduate teacher, and I asked, how do you know that you had a good session? And he did not hesitate. He said, very easy, Valerio, if I learned something. So that's how I would like to approach every opportunity in my life, to stay a learner and not fall into the trap of of front-of-the-room syndrome, Mm -hmm. feeling like I have to teach anybody. Mm. It's interesting,
1: and I want want to acknowledge that, Valeria, because there's some people who kind of get full of themselves in the expertise field, and it's really the people who are the most humble and open to new ideas that learners seem to be the most open to. They, they sense that. They, they feel this authenticity around this openness that we're in this thing together, and I'm here to serve you, not to sort of dictate to you.
2: Yes. that's a battle that I fight every day with myself because I certainly was trained to be the teacher, not uh, the student, And I have derived the greatest satisfaction in life from being a student because through that I've experienced gratitude and uh, gratitude is perhaps the most extraordinary exquisite feeling that I've had in my life.
1: Mm. Well, I appreciate that and that's even proven by Dr. Martin Sigelman's work, right? That being thankful or grateful is one of the top three characteristics of somebody who is living a meaningful life as well as being happy and joyful. So those are linked into it. Amit, what can you add to the conversation around for the listeners that they can sort of take beyond what we've shared so
0: far that come out of the work that the two of you are doing? Gosh, uh, Valeria put it so beautifully. I think I would add that going deeper with, with the piece about learning is that there, there's an opportunity to, to learn in any situation that the challenge that you might be facing with your supervisor or a particular project that you're coming up against there's an opportunity to learn something there for how i operate how i show up to a challenge and then in, in the way that you can tell if you're really opening up to that place of gratitude and, and learning and, and reframing is if you feel it now that absolutely can be difficult, but this is naturally where like, you know, the, the, the science of the practice of gratitude, the science is out there. And so it, it's often, and similar, I'm a student myself. I find myself practicing this as well and being challenged by it of, how can I see the situation I'm in right now as a means to learn from? And it, it's from that place that we, I often can take for granted that it can really help to shift whatever challenge I might be dealing with. Mm-hmm. So that's going to enhance my own leadership, uh, my own personal growth and leadership around the, the problem. And then hopefully also taking that broader servant leadership perspective of how can I really work together with my fellow colleague.
1: For sure. Well, thank you. Now we only have a couple of minutes left in the show, but you, you folks have been kind enough to provide a free gift for the listeners. So Amit, where do they go to get that gift? Certainly. So
0: uh, they're going to go to our website, igos.net that's spelled I G eos.net and it's going to be forward slash Secrets of Success. And I wonder they're... where you got that from, huh? Yes, I wonder oh, where I that. I have no idea. <laughs> So listeners that go there, there'll be an opportunity. We have a a couple of resources there. We've we've got an online show where we interview um, similar thought leaders, industry leaders who are uh, making an impact uh, not only in the workplace, but in the world. So there's a, a link to that. There's also a a worksheet that we've created on the five disciplines of a high-performance team. And then also, if this is resonating and there's an interest to have a conversation, we're always welcome to have a conversation and see how we can be of support. Okay, awesome, awesome.
1: Uh, Valerie, any uh, final comments from your point of view to wrap up the show as an encouragement to the listeners?
2: A a tremendous appreciation for... The change that is taking place, it's uh, very rewarding, very hopeful, and uh, something that I would not have even been able to um, fantasize 40 years ago. But I think we have an extraordinary opportunity in the present moment, perhaps when the darkest time comes across, to the opportunity of finally creating one planet and one people and th- evolving into that Uh, I hope uh, I will see more of that before I pass away but it's an incredible inspiration and opportunity certainly for my grandchildren and I hope that that will happen
1: Mm, mm, for sure well Amit and uh, Valerio stay on the show or stay online but uh, thank you for being on the show thank Thank you so much well it's been a pleasure having both of you here secrets of success listeners when you think about success in life, a lot of times we get trained to be self-centered, self-absorbed, full of ourselves. Not necessarily from a driven point of view, but just sort of a survival or that's what's been modeled. And Amit and Valerio have really suggested to you that there's a difference. We can look in the mirror. You know that we talk about self-awareness in every single show here. And so look in the mirror. Are we conscious? Are we awake? What am I really, really trying to do? And go to their site and find out more about uh, what's going on, some of the work, some of the experiential things that are available for you to learn and take your team to the next level. As always, thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on. Let other people know. Leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes.